0: Welcome to another edition of Let's Talk Vets. I'm your host, Staff Sergeant Doug Sandberg. This is where we discuss vet centric topics, the good, the bad, and the ugly, in the hope that listeners will better understand our veterans. Our veterans will know they're not alone, and perhaps along the way we'll learn something about each other. We sincerely hope we accomplish that mission. The opinions expressed herein are mine alone as a veteran. Well, before we get into our program this evening, a few shout-outs are in order. June is LGBTQ Pride Month. Why is that important? Well, this group is one of many who have been discriminated against in general and, of course, military service. Members of this community would not have been allowed to put their lives on the line for their country. And if they somehow were able to enlist under the radar ran the risk of being summarily discharged regardless of exemplary or meritorious service if at some point they were outed. Over the years, changes have been made, such as the famous or infamous don't-ask-don't-tell policy of the Clinton administration. The good news is that we as a nation are making progress, albeit slowly, to understand that one's gender identity, ethnicity, and gender do not determine their worth as a soldier. In our area, there is a very important organization called Sage Vets New York. This NGO provides support on many levels to elder veterans who are part of this community. Uh, They were instrumental in the implementation of New York's Restoration of Honor Act, a bill that restores those who have received less than honorable discharges as members of the LGBTQ community, or as a result of military sexual assault or those who acted out because of ptsd and other equally unjustifiable reasons while this applies only to new york state veterans it can restore full state benefits and is an excellent foundation for an appeal on the federal level if you would like more information about this great organization contact arnold lewis at 845-495-4305 extension 236 or A-L-E-S-S-I-G at ISHV.org. Sunday, June 19th, was the 157th anniversary of Juneteenth. As of last year, Juneteenth is a federal holiday in the United States commemorating emancipation of enslaved African Americans. It is also often observed for celebrating African American culture. Originating in Galveston, Texas, it has been celebrated annually on June 19th in various parts of the United States since 1865, the end of the Civil War. Again, we would be remiss if we did not recognize the tremendous contributions of black Americans to our country in general and their meritorious service dating back to the American Revolution. June 6th, was the anniversary of World War II Allied invasion in Normandy, known as D-Day. June 14th was Flag Day. June 14th is also the Army birthday. June 23rd is the Coast Guard Auxiliary birthday and June 27th National PTSD Awareness Day, a day to bring awareness about the issues relating to PTSD. Well, tonight we have a great conversation with John Crotty and Stephen Walsh of the Sullivan County Veterans Service Agency in Monticello. We're going to explore some of the reasons we've heard from veterans who are reluctant to claim the benefits they have earned. But first, here's our friend Don Shaw, director of the Hudson Valley VA Medical System, with your updates from the VA today.
1: Hi. Today, Doug, I'd like to ask your listeners to help spread the word about the great benefits that they can receive working here at VA Hudson Valley Healthcare System. The first and most significant benefit of being a part of the team at VA Hudson Valley is the pride you feel coming to work every day, knowing that you're serving our nation's veterans. There is no better mission than to be a part of that team. Being able to give to those who sacrifice for us isn't the only benefit that VA offers to its employees. At VA, we're proud to offer a whole host of different benefits that I'd like to share with you and your listeners so they know the great benefits of coming to work here. First, VA has very strong starting salaries, steady growth periodic pay raises that address inflation and local market changes. We have 13 to 26 days of paid vacation time, 13 sick days every year with no limit on accumulation. We have 11 paid federal holidays. We also have the Family and Medical Leave and the Family Friendly Leave Act which allow employees to take reasonable amounts of leave for medical reasons for the birth or adoption or foster care of a child and the care of a child, spouse, or parent who has a serious health condition. We also have up to 12 weeks of paid parental leave for birth, adoption, or foster care placement of a child. We have a generous three-tier retirement plan including a pension social security benefits and our own thrift savings plan or 401k that VA contributes 1% of your salary and matches up to 5% we have a child care subsidy program affordable health insurance that employees can carry over into retirement student loan repayment programs and special hiring entitlements for veterans and persons with disabilities. So I'm asking everybody that if you know someone who wants a career where they can give back to our nation's heroes and be proud to come to work every day, please tell them, the VA Hudson Valley is always actively recruiting for new members of our team. And in particular, right now, we have quite a few different openings. There are a lot of different types of professions that are needed to run a health care system. And we have openings in many of those areas. And I'm going to list some of them for you just so you can get a sense of that. We are looking for social workers, dietitians, audiologists, medical supply techs, medical technologists, nursing assistants, pharmacists, practical nurses, psychologists, nurses, registered nurses, physicians, medical support assistants, also air conditioning equipment mechanics, electronic technicians, firefighters, food service workers, housekeeping aides, administrative positions like health system specialists, administrative officers, healthcare engineers, inventory management specialists, mail-and-file clerks, medical records administrators, motor vehicle operators, police officers, procurement technicians, program analysts, transportation assistants, telehealth clinical technicians, and utility systems operators. So we have a whole host of different backgrounds and professions that can be a part of the va hudson valley team so again if you're listening and you're looking for a rewarding career or you know someone who is please tell them about va hudson valley and all the benefits of working here and if so if you're interested or know someone interested please have them reach out to our human resources department here at va hudson valley and we'd love to talk to them more and and see if we can bring them on as part of our team.
0: Well, that's a fantastic opportunity, Dawn. Are these opportunities only at a couple of the major campuses, or are they at other places throughout the Hudson Valley?
1: so VA Hudson Valley has um, two main campuses in uh, Dutchess County Castle Point and of course Montrose and in Westchester and then we do have seven clinics we have job opportunities available in several of the different locations the surrounding counties and some of the clinics have have some openings and certainly the main campuses have quite a, a number of openings at both of those so there are opportunities throughout the Hudson Valley area in in the different seven counties that we serve.
0: Okay, so if our listeners are interested or know anybody that's interested, how do they apply? Who do they call?
1: All of our jobs posted on usajobs.gov website. So again, I mentioned a lot of different positions, but um, there are probably even more available than I've mentioned today. So if you want a full look at our all the job uh, postings, anyone can go on to usajobs.gov And they can uh, look up VA Hudson Valley and see what job opportunities are available. But also, if they um, are interested in reaching out and speaking to someone directly about the job opportunities available, they can contact our Human Resources Department, calling our main number, which is either 845-831-2000 or our main number at Montrose, 914-737-4400, and then dial extension 202551, and that extension can be dialed from either main number. That's extension 202551, and that's the Human Resources Department, and you can connect with someone there via email is third way that you can get in touch and let us know you can email a resume if you'd like and I'm going to give you the contact of one of our leaders in our human resources department and you can email him directly his name is Timothy T I M O T H Y dot mcguigan and I'm going to spell that M C G U I G a N at va. gov, and you could also email him with your resume to share it with us and um, talk more about our job opportunities.
0: Okay, and it's um, a, a good opportunity for somebody that's that's looking for something that is stable. And um, yeah, are there opportunities to uh, work your way up uh, once you get into the VA? I mean, are there opportunities to go upward and and um, ultimately develop into a a career with a much larger job?
1: So, Doug, I'm so glad you asked me that question because there absolutely is. VA invests in our employees. We have a lot of development, leadership development programs and opportunities. If you talk to somebody that works at VA, you may talk to someone that's in a position now that was in a very different position many years back and has had the opportunity to move into new roles if that's their desire and they invest and become involved in in developing themselves and, and moving their way through um, the wonderful opportunities that the healthcare system offers. I'm a great example of that. I'm so proud of my career here at VA Hudson Valley because I just had my 25th year anniversary here at VA Hudson Valley. I came to VA Hudson Valley directly out of school and was a staff occupational therapist when I started, and now I'm the medical center director. And I've had quite a number of positions along the way and have learned so much and just truly love serving our veterans and what we do each day providing that high quality care for them so i'm a great example of it and there are many many other examples across the entire healthcare system of people that have done something similar so there are lots of different opportunities to get um, involved to do care for our veterans or to maybe develop and move on to other positions as they spend their career here it's a great place to work
0: well, that's a fantastic story, and we thank you so much for bringing that to us, and congratulations on your anniversary. And um, we look thank forward you. to uh, you being there many, many more years, and hopefully me being here many, many more years, so we can continue to do these updates on Let's Talk Vets WJFF Radio Catskill. Thank you, Don. Thank you. There are literally thousands of organizations that work with and for our veterans. Where to start? Well, the Veterans Service Agency is the first stop for a veteran, family member, or caregiver when it comes to benefits earned through military service. The Sullivan County Veterans Service Agency is located in Government Center in Monticello. We're talking to the folks at the Sullivan County Veterans Service Agency, uh, specifically John Crotty and Steve Walsh. Good morning, guys.
2: Good morning, Doug. Good morning,
0: guys. So just for our audience, would you please uh, state your names and your your uh, positions at the agency and your branch of service when you served, et cetera?
2: Well, I'm John Crotty, I'm the director of the Sullivan County Veterans Service Agency, I've been doing this for about 15 years. I served in the Marine Corps. Frankly, I was one of those guys who didn't appreciate that there was anything for me as far as benefits went. I was pretty oblivious to it all.
3: I've learned a lot since then. And I'm Stephen Walsh, Veteran Service Officer with Sullivan County, going on nine years. I served in the United States Air Force, 50th Tactical Fighter Wing, From December 5th, 1985 till December 5th, 1993, I also was unaware of benefits and services provided by VA at my time of separation all the way for another 30 years.
0: So, and that brings us to the uh, genesis of today's program. I I got to thinking and I decided to reach out to you guys to dispel some of the uh, the reasons, I guess we'll call it, why folks are reluctant to contact VA for benefits or, or just think it will do no good. And you and I have talked in the past, and you've told me to the contrary, that uh, a lot of these things are just, I hate to use the term urban myths, but we can we can call it that, and it's, it's, a lot of it is hearsay, you know. One guy talked to another guy or or a girl, and uh, this is what's their experience, and you may have not got all the information. So you were kind enough to provide me with seven issues here, common issues, and I'd like to get down each of them and have each one of you comment on the veracity of each. So the first is I'm not eligible for VA medical.
2: First off, For any normal person, the minute you say government, you start thinking about going to the dentist or Department of Motor Vehicles or something, you say, nah, I don't need that. You just put it off, you put it off, you put it off. The man in the street, the average veteran, I don't think they appreciate how all-encompassing VA medical is and how, how important it is to your general health. It's really that good. It is cumbersome, it is government, but it's very good medical care, and they offer a lot of things. And they're very happy to provide these services and products like glasses and hearing aids. So people just figure, well, you know, I didn't get wounded, I didn't get a Purple Heart, uh, you know, uh, nothing good can be available to little old me and they just
3: turn a blind eye. John and I have both found that VA medical does work you need to be a little proactive with your care and you need to you know be engaged uh with the treating physicians and and with the system itself but it is productive it is it is an excellent care system for veterans getting back to the average veteran's eligibility. Of course, all eligibility criteria is different, and it spans different periods of service, whether it's wartime, peacetime. As John said, whether the person was grievously wounded in combat or not has no bearing on your eligibility for VA medical. It's more due to dates and times of service and other, other vernacular. But the name of the game is any local veteran who's curious if they're eligible should definitely check in with the office. Give us a call, make an appointment, and we can go over that eligibility criteria.
0: That's important. And that's an important point because actually, one of my first interviews for Let's Talk Vets was John. And I didn't know that the veteran service agencies existed in virtually every county in New York and had for some time. And you guys are, are an advocate for the veteran with the VA. You know what's required. You build history from handling cases or helping people handle cases and getting them the benefits that they've earned. So, uh, you are definitely a good first, if not stop, phone call and say, Look, you know, here's my situation. Uh, can you help me? And, John, you touched on it that the VA medical can't be that good. Uh, that was uh, one of the points that you sent me. And uh, you, you've said that's. To the contrary, I guess the excellent care, and I've had good experience with the VA, is kind of juxtaposed by the uh, the gigantic bureaucracy and the sometimes slow-moving uh, wheels that uh, you need to, or the obstacles that you need to get there, right?
2: Well, it, it is a, a real problem. Every uh, large system becomes bureaucratic and then the process becomes more important than the product. But uh, I've been using VA for quite a few years. Uh, Sometimes uh, I have to go to the outside looking for a particular care or treatment, but all in all, VA medical is that good. They, They have a an optical group that uh, is really very very professional and competent for getting you the right glasses no matter what crazy prescriptions you may need Uh, they're audiology people they're really top shelf they'll try their their best to get a set of hearing aids for someone that that's appropriate for their type of hearing disability and uh, Once you're enrolled, once you are accepted for eligibility, with the exception of dental, every veteran gets the same level of treatment and care across the board. And it's hard to believe that. It's hard to believe that the entire VA medical system is there for you. So if you meet the eligibility requirements, There's a huge, robust program, and they really do try, and I I have to give them a a real pat on the back.
0: So the misconception that if I didn't serve in a conflict, I'm not really a veteran, that's nonsense, correct?
2: Yeah, we hear that quite a bit, and uh, on the one hand, it's a nice thing that someone uh, elevates in their mind that the combat vet is the real vet and someone who worked in support or during a peacetime period, they, they may feel like they were uh, a lesser serving member of the armed forces, but that's not the case. If you took the oath and you have a good discharge, you're as the equal to every veteran out there. That means you met the challenge as it was presented to you and you did it honorably. And as such, the government recognizes this and they give you the opportunity to apply for a multitude of benefits. So uh, don't cut yourself short and don't feel like you're a second class citizen because you didn't serve in combat or in war. You're a vet, you're one of us, you, you took the oath, so
3: come on in and say hi. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, I'd like to back up what John said and, and, and it, it extends to myself. Uh, you know, John served in, you know, during Vietnam in Okinawa. I served during peacetime in, in 20 different countries and I had assumed because I didn't get injured uh, in combat that I was not eligible uh, for any type of services, and it was actually it was the opposite. I was eligible for full care, except for dental at that time. And it's just something that you've got to inquire about if you've served and if you have a, you know, your your discharge. Give us a call or come on in and we'll 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 go through that eligibility.
0: Then there's uh, this one's kind of interesting. I filed for a benefit once and was denied, so it's not worth trying again. Now, I know, John, we're opening up a whole box of worms when we, <laughs> when we talk about that. But, again, tell us why that's, that's not a good thought process because, I mean, rules change how you applied and where you applied. You know, it, it all matters, right?
2: Well, I think every serviceman is reluctant to ask for a benefit. Many veterans feel diminished to have to ask someone, for medical care, or for service-connected compensation, or pension, which is a low-income safety net. So they're already discomfited, and they may have filed for a benefit. Uh, Perhaps they didn't have the proper or adequate evidence. It's possible they may have done it on their own without any guidance and fell into the bureaucratic trap of Insufficient paperwork. And they tend to look at a denial as a finite point. Oh, I got denial, and that's the end of that, you know, but that's not the case at all. There's a very robust appeals process, very robust, surprisingly so. And we have a lot of experience and other people in our line of work. A lot of our Real work is on appeals because the VA has a terrible track record of just denying things just because. I got this at a seminar right from a VA representative. He stated in front of 700 people that 70% of all the appeals are ultimately found in favor of the veteran. Wow. That's some number. So even if you didn't follow up in a timely manner and file an appeal, that doesn't mean you can't resubmit. You, you can go back to this and people need to understand that and that's one of the reasons that Congress, way back when, told the states that you need veteran service officers because it's complex, but there's great opportunities for success and don't
3: get discouraged and don't give up. Yeah, the uh, the VA implemented an Appeals Modernization Act February 19th of 2019 it went into effect nationwide and this new Appeals Modernization Act has given John and myself new tools to appeal old denials and in light of this we've been able to overturn denials that were over 50 years old and get a win for the veteran in Sullivan County. So it's uh, a
0: little bit fine. like, a little bit like you guys are going back to the cold case files.
3: We are going it, yet. It, it, we were given the ability to go back to a cold case file that was denied 50 plus years ago <clears throat> because we now have one new shred of evidence that is relevant to that claim legally, enabling John and myself to reopen that issue and we've won them. So it's, it's significant. Yes. Never assume that because uh, you were denied the first time around that that's the end of the claim. That's, that's not even close to being the truth. A denial is not the end. Denial opens the door to an appeals process. So check into it.
0: Okay. There's a common misconception that if I take VA benefits, I'll actually be uh, using services that someone else really needs more than I.
2: It's a truly commendable feeling. You don't want to take from others. But the reality is that so far, the Congress and our leadership and the nation have been quite supportive of veterans over the years. and. Uh, Occasionally, a new type of benefit or a new condition may reach a point where they have a huge influx of claims. Well, that year with a multitude of people getting service connection for some serious disease or condition, that does not bankrupt the, the VA. They don't have to cut back on care and uh, benefits to existing veterans, because time and again, if the VA is overwhelmed by claims for new conditions, Congress has apportioned additional monies. More than once in the last 10 years, I can remember the VA receiving an additional $10 million or 100 million, huge numbers because their costs rose dramatically because of a new disability or a new court ruling or a new law that went into effect that opened up uh, the door for new claims. Keep in mind that two years ago, the VA budget was $240 billion plus, and they had a supplement added on to that. I've been told that the 2023 budget is over $300 billion. So while it's commendable that any veteran doesn't want to get a benefit that's going to take from others, the reality is our government recognizes the value of veterans and they recognize that they have to take care of our veterans and their families. So don't, don't feel guilty and don't... Don't pass up the opportunity to get the benefits you earned because the money's there.
0: And there's folks that say, well, you know, I don't really need any benefits or services now and probably couldn't amount to much anyhow. And that attitude probably hinges on some of the aforementioned points that we talked about. But one of the things that I did was uh, when it came time, I said, well, I have my own insurance, but you know what? I'm just going to get down and get into the system, and and I'm and I'm glad I did because you know now I, I do go to the VA for you know my checkups once in a while, get my blood work done, get my glasses, and I have to say that uh, my experience with the Port Jervis clinic has been excellent.
2: Well, you know it's like everything else in life, Uh, everyone should be prudent and should take care of their situation looking to the future. You never know if the job you have may change or evaporate. The existing medical plan you have may be curtailed or restricted. If you've got VA, you have a powerful option to exercise at your convenience. You're not mandated to use VA once you're enrolled. So you now have a choice between whatever you have on the civilian side and there's VA. And the other benefits, service connection, education, all of these other benefits, they're available And if you're eligible and if you desire to go in that particular direction, why not establish it now? Why not take advantage of it now to better your opportunities for yourself and your family going forwards? It's a sad, sad thing how many times we're working with a surviving spouse and the family of a veteran who, really didn't take care of business. And now that veteran's passed on. And he's passed on from what could have been a service-connected condition. And now we have to establish that from ground zero, from the first step in order to get a benefit for the family. So if a veteran is responsible, he's going to pursue the benefits he's eligible for now. And in a worst case, if that veteran passes on, there's a much better likelihood that the family is going to have some benefits coming in, maybe a medical plan. You know, we we all, as we age, uh, live in fear of uh, catastrophic medical illnesses that are going to bankrupt you. And if you have VA, if you have service connection, you're setting yourself up to be able to get the care you need without losing everything. And in many cases, you're setting up things that's going to help stabilize your family should you pass on from any of these uh, circumstances.
0: And... um the last point that you gave me, and then we're going to talk a little bit more about a couple of things that I picked up here. Any Everyone who's assisting a veteran is part of the VA, and I think that may be referring to the myriad of NGOs that are out there by various names, and thank God there's literally thousands of them. But they all have their own spheres, and, and they are not all connected to the VA as you guys are?
2: Well, it's funny. Uh, I mean, we're the Sullivan County Veterans Service Agency. We got a sign on the door. We got stationary. It says Sullivan County. Several times a week, we have to explain that we're not the VA. We're working for you. We're not working for them. And I don't know why it is but it just seems that anyone who does veterans assistance is automatically just enrolled in the VA. And the training, the magnitude of the rules and regulations of a federal agency the size of the VA, I think they're the second or third entity in the federal government, which is incredible the rules and regulations are are daunting. No normal citizen is ever going to sit down with chapter 38 of the the federal rules and, and read it all. And it changes all the time. So you need to go to somebody who's trained, but to get the training is very difficult to become accredited with the VA so you can directly represent people to the VA requires a lot of documented training every year. Uh, That's not available to uh, a lot of NGOs uh, and a lot of people who are associated with organizations, uh, veterans organizations, uh, not to discredit them, They're doing the best they can, but there's simply no avenue for them to get the the level of training that a state or county veteran service agency provides. There's direct limitations. You need to be employed for 1,000 hours a year, which means more than part-time, in order to get the accreditation. So... uh, There's a lot of people who may be out there who claim, oh, yeah, we can help you. You know, we know the VA, and they may imply that they're part of the VA, but uh, the VA isn't everywhere, and
3: not everyone is accredited. Basically, uh, the way it works is we're trained, the type of training John was talking about, was to help the veteran navigate VA. And once again, we're not VA employees, we're county employees, Um, But we're trained by uh, entities which give us guidance to assist the veteran through a myriad of scenarios, anything from VA medical to VA education to VA benefits to uh, multiple forms of of VA uh, insurances. Uh, We're here to answer those questions. We're basically the veteran's guide through the myriad of different scenarios uh, that the
0: VA offers to the veteran. And I remember on our first interview, which goes back four years or so, one of the things that you did, John, was you wanted to give me a visual of rules and regs. So you took a a very, very thick book off your bookshelf and you said, this is, uh, whatever the year was, this is the, the regulations for this year. And, and these are the new ones. And you took a second book down, and it was thicker. <laughs> and when I mean thick, I'm talking three inches, four inches, yeah. full of rules and regs that apply to getting benefits for veterans.
2: It's very daunting, and it's really unrealistic for anyone to presume that the average veteran or surviving spouse even knows where to begin. How could they even imagine what's out there, what they're eligible for, what's worth pursuing? They really need a guide to help them get the big picture and decide how things work. The internet has been invaluable for both the layperson and for us to keep on top of things. We just had a, a daughter of a client come in this morning where she had heard that the Senate had passed an expansive bill increasing the presumptives for Agent Orange exposure. This is a great thing, but without the Internet, you wouldn't know this was going on. Now, there's a long trail for this before it goes into effect. Uh, It has to be reconciled with the House. The president's got to sign it the VA has to decide how they're going to implement it. But through the internet, everyone can stay more abreast of what's going on, which in turn helps us assist veterans that, uh, well, you have this disease, so it might be worth developing the evidence necessary to file a claim because down the road, this is going to be a condition the VA is going to uh, accept.
0: So correct me if I'm wrong, but it almost sounds like, well, Agent Orange is a classic thing, and now we have the the burn pits, exposure to airborne particulates from uh, burning all sorts of stuff in uh, pits fueled by JP-4, right?
2: You can file a claim for anything that occurred to you as a result of your military service. But there are certain categories of disabilities that are given presumptive status. And what that means is you don't have to make the link between your lung problem and Agent Orange, the government admits there's a link. So now we're just talking about the level of severity and the side effects of any treatment or anything. Most of the time these presumptives come along long ways down the road when research or statistics make the case that there's something going on and it produces this disease. In the case of the burn pits, for once, they're actually giving service connection to serious cancer diseases before, it's 20, 40 years down the road, and statistically, it's unavoidable. Now they're doing it on a research basis, and they're being proactive. So this burn pit legislation is really a big thing, and I hope it's extended to many of the other environmental exposures that veterans uh, frequently encounter in their service. So... Uh, It's a great thing. We're looking forward to hopefully other conditions, you know, so we'll see how this plays out.
0: So if you have a problem, let's say a respiratory problem, let's say now I've served and I think it's related to the burn pits, which were in vicinity where I served, but there's no presumption. Now, as this case goes, I file a case or I file a claim, and as this goes down the road, five years from now, they say, okay, it's now a presumptive. Is, do they automatically look back, or do I have to refile for an appeal or whatever I have to do at that point?
2: Well, uh, this was done on a individual basis in reference to Agent Orange claims, and it was the result of a uh, lawsuit called Nehmer and that required the government to uh, look back to see what veterans had claimed, whether or not they won their case or had been denied. There, there's certain parameters that must be met, but they just had a wholesale NEMER review based on the Blue Water Navy, uh, what that was is the original law was a little vague as to how far off the coast Agent Orange exposure was conceded. The VA then made a decision that Agent Orange stopped at the waterline. So there's been a lot of lawsuits over 20 years or more to try to clarify where the exposure point of Agent Orange is over the ocean. At almost the same time, there was a major lawsuit that was settled in favor of establishing a better point of exposure limitation and Congress passed a bill that established the exposure point to be what is it, 12, 12, nautical. 12 nautical miles past what's called uh, midline midline or baseline and that's a complicated formula they used for a line that wanders all along the, the coast of Vietnam but finally it's a concrete tangible point so if you're in the Navy or any other branch of the service and you're on a ship and you go past this point you are now considered exposed to Agent Orange. So it's fine that we finally have clarity. And on an individual basis, because of a lawsuit, Nemer required the VA to go back and review all the claim work and all the activity that veterans had with filing for benefits related to Agent Orange exposure and they're just closing that down. I think there was something like 300,000 outstanding claims that they needed to review. Not every review turned into a positive decision for the veteran, but it's something the VA did diligently with a special team, and they've worked their way through all the Nehmer cases. Now, that does not automatically transfer to other situations but there are other lawsuits that give the opportunity for a retroactive look back and uh, just because you had a claim and it was denied way back when over there uh, don't don't give up on that thing don't give don't walk away from it Put all your paperwork from the VA and your medical and everything, put it all in a box, bring it on in. It may take us a couple of weeks or a month to go through it all, but we'll kind of figure out where you stand, what we can do. And it may turn into a positive thing for you, but it's something that you should do, again, to prepare for the future.
0: So, Steve, I want to ask you a question. You've been very quiet, and I know you're a shy guy, so I'm not going to let you get off that easy. So in your experience, and, and, and of course, you're in the same office with John, so what do you guys think today is the biggest challenge or hazard facing the veterans? And what key demographic are you dealing with these days?
3: challenging veterans as we move into the future, is the state of, of what veterans come into this office, what veterans we serve and what veterans are active in national and local organizations, or more importantly, what veterans are not active. And the biggest problem that we see that we're in the middle of right now and increasing in intensity as we move to the future is the lack of participation of the younger veterans in organizations such as American Legion, VFW, AMVETS, and just in general in their communities. We need the 20 and 30 somethings to make themselves known. We need them to visit. We need them to speak with us and we need them to join veterans organizations to strengthen them and bolster them as we go into the future. if the younger veterans do not take a more active role in their future, governments, local governments, larger governments will begin to marginalize the veterans community for a lack of their voice and a lack of their presence. And that's not a good thing. We need the younger veterans to come out, support organizations, support veterans, uh, all, all things, all opportunities, all type of activities. Uh, We need that
0: younger presence. We need that voice. Okay. Uh, Gentlemen, closing thoughts, and then I'll ask one of you to make sure that our audience knows how to contact you guys. So either one of you, closing thoughts?
2: Well, a long, long time ago, Congress recognized that veterans needed a hand dealing with something the size of the VA. Our county has been uh, very supportive of the veterans' community. Population-wise, we have frequently been out of the uh, statistical norm with the number of ESOs we've had uh, relative to our population. But our population is uh, predominantly elderly, our biggest group for years and still is the Vietnam era. And um, that age group is suffering with a lot of emerging conditions, and it's not all just aging. A lot of these conditions can be found connected to their military service. So uh, I think our local politicians and the state recognizes that the veterans need help dealing with this gigantic labyrinth of VA benefits. And we're here to serve, and uh, we want to see you. Come on in.
0: All right. What a great conversation. Would one of you be kind enough to give our listeners the best way to contact you folks if they have a question?
3: The best way is to uh, call the office, 845-807-0233, 0235. We have a number of extensions that you can call. Uh, If you walk in, you can make an appointment to sit with a service officer to discuss any matters complicated or big or small.
0: Okay, how about a website, uh, Steve?
3: We have a website which is uh, accessible through the County of Sullivan website. You can uh, click on Find a Department, click on Veterans, and go to there for more contact information.
0: Okay, well, John Crotty and uh, Steve Walsh of the Sullivan County Veterans Service Agency an invaluable resource for any veteran from any era. If you think you need something or just want a question answered, call them up and um, they'll be glad to do their best. Thank you, gentlemen.
2: Well, thank you, Doug. uh, You know, you're you're providing a a really valuable method for us out and uh, meet people and, Much appreciated. Thank you. Thanks,
0: Doug. Well, our thanks tonight to Don Shaw, Director of Hudson Valley VA Healthcare System, John Crotty, Director of the Sullivan County Veterans Service Agency, Stephen Walsh, Veterans Service Officer, Sullivan County Veterans Service Agency, and, of course, we would not have a program except for you listening and joining us once again. Please let your friends know about this program and share with us your comments and suggestions for future shows. Also, send us your upcoming events so that we may talk about them on the air. Drop me an email at vets at wjffradio.org. And don't forget, if you or someone you know is experiencing anxiety or need to speak to someone, here are some numbers to jot down. The Veterans Crisis Line 1-800-273-8255-PRESS-1 to speak with someone. You may send a text message to 838-255 to connect with a VA responder. Or you can start a confidential online chat session at Veterans Crisis Line, one word, dot net, slash chat. And don't forget that Let's Talk Vets is now widely available as a podcast. Download it at wjffradio.org, Let's Talk Vets podcast show page, or your favorite source for podcasts. So we leave you tonight with a poem set to music performed by the US Army Field Band, which would become the Anthem for Civil Rights. Left Every Voice and Sing is a truly great work and an impromptu one at that. In January 1900, James Weldon Johnson, principal of Jacksonville, Florida's segregated Stanton School, was casting about for student assembly ideas to celebrate Lincoln's birthday. Johnson decided to write a poem for the occasion. Then a better idea occurred. Since his composer brother was at hand, why not set that poem to music? Well, together at the family home in Jacksonville, the Johnson brothers set to work. James paced the front porch, working out the words, handing each finished stanza to John, who sat inside at the piano. James's first phrase came easily lift every voice and sing. The rest was not as easy. Then the floodgates opened. Quote, I paced back and forth, repeating the lines over and over to myself, going through all the agony and ecstasy of creating. I would not keep back the tears. I was experiencing the transports of a poet's ecstasy, feverish ecstasy, which was followed by contentment, That sense of serene joy which makes artistic creation the most complete of all human experiences. Good night.